You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Hello and welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders and this week, I am your hunk. I'm Doge and... Have you ever considered piracy? You'd make a wonderful chunk pirate, Roberts. <laughs> and I'm Carter and Mabbage. Yeah. Mabbage is what chunks us together today. <laughs> Very good. I wanted to just do all the of that because yeah. I know the whole thing. <laughs> wow. There is something about watching his tongue in his mouth while he's talking and seeing how flat and wide it is that freaks me out. (laughs) Speaking of things that freak me out, you were very confident that you were the hunk. Can you please tell us why? Yeah, because I am the hunk today because I am recording on the day of all days. My anniversary of marriage to my <laughs> wife. It is what brings us together. It is what brings us together to the. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we did it, guys. Uh, another another year. Um, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. It's been pretty good so far. <laughs> probably gonna probably gonna keep it up. I think we're we're both uh, we're both team keep going. So I think it's gonna be great. That's great, man. That's, that's what marriage. Good. That's what marriage does. So those vows. That's the vow part, you know. Yeah, Team and one keep of our going. one of our vows was like and longer than four years. So, oh, you, that's good. You did it. So what's next? <laughs> what's next for you guys? You conquered marriage. What's the next step? Uh, we're gonna try and do five. I think five five total years and see, see years. where we see where we land after that. Take it a year at a time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, just sort of piece by piece, uh, bit by bit, step by step. So, I don't know if that's a song. Step by step. I think that's a song. I think it's a song. You just sang it, so it is not. One so step, it's, it's, two it, step. It's technically <laughs> a song now because you sang it. There it is. That's that's my favorite way of defining a song just by the way while we're talking about it. If somebody sings sung. something, it's a song. Yeah, if you sing it. I mean, there's ability to do that. I see that. So I think it I seems pretty easy. I mean, you say me. it as a joke, but I think that's 100% true. Yeah. I could say any words together and they're a sentence because I said them. <laughs> Do you think I have the power of grammar mancy and not music mancy? Of course I do. I can music, create music mancy was music mancy. my nickname in high school. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, I would love today to talk about a movie. Same. Change a pace, change it up, do something change, new. Flip I it around, love it. See what happens. That movie and reverse is it. <laughs> known as <laughs> the, the Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Doge. Can you bring us together? What if <laughs> this is a world where we find out that's the only scene I've ever seen from that movie, and I didn't <laughs> you even just watch it, it on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> Princess Bride marriage scene. Uh, Doge, will you deliver unto me and to us a synopsis of this particular flick? I sure will. This week's synopsis is written by IMDb user Robert Lynch. Robert Lynch writes. Return to a time when men and swamps were swamps. Fire swamps, that is. Wait, huh? wait, 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 wait. Start over. Say, say it again. Read it exactly as... <laughs> Return to a time when men and swamps were swamps. Fire swamps, that is. 
What? I'm so min and swamps were swamps. I don't understand what's confusing about that. Let me read it both, one more time. Both men and swamps were no, swamps. And just make sure you're listening. Return to a time when men and swamps were swamps. Fire swamps, that is. Full of what? quicksand and rodents of unusual size. Lagoons were inhabited by shrieking eels. And the most beautiful woman in the world was named dot 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 Buttercup? <laughs> well, Wait. <laughs> Wait, did they have like exclamation point question mark? Yep. Wonderful inflection. <laughs> and an tarobang. Well, it's a bent fairy tale. Complete with all the fencing, chasing, escapades, and silly accents you'd expect. Including such unique folk as Inigo Montoya, who has dreamed his whole life of finding the six-fingered man who killed his father. Yep. Fezzik is his enormous sidekick. And Max <laughs> is the kvetching miracle man. Blonde feels Buttercup, diminishing to call unbelievable just a sidekick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Blonde yeah. Buttercup loves Wesley, a poor stable boy. But when he's captured by pirates, she's chosen by evil Prince Humperdinck to be his princess bride. Along the way, she gets kidnapped and he gets killed. But it all ends up okay. Okay. That's great. Wow. Robert Lynch coming at this with some incredible heat. <laughs> Hey, incredible I, heat. I do. Before we get into this story uh, of that comes from us from a time when men and swamps were swamps, I do have a question. I wish we could go back to that. What <laughs> yeah, happened why to can't men? We return to that. Time? Why can't men and swamps be swamps? Fire swamps. That is. I I do have a question for everybody, and it's a uh, it's a little personal. So I'm I'm sorry if this gets a little uh, intense for this podcast. No, we never talk about deeply personal things on this show. But. <sighs> I, just doing a quick check-in. How are your swashes? Speaking yeah. for myself, I know where this is going. Yes, mine got buckled to bits. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this my know, swashes we, haven't been this thoroughly buckled since Shiver Me September's. We talked in Shiver Me September's right? a lot about swash buckling. This is the swash buckliest of all of the swash buckling movies we've watched. I think. Right? I mean, I mean, for all its flaws, Cutthroat Island was incredibly thorough it, it, in terms of the amount of buckles it swashed. It was, right. but, but, or sorry, sorry, I know you reversed that on accident, but it is swashes that were buckled. I want to return to a time when, when, when buckles were swashed <laughs> and men were swamps. What, why is that so hard for everybody to get on board with my vision for a bold new future? <laughs> I... I just, it was all I could think of was the, the, the buckles and the swashes. Uh, it's so fun. So let's, let's, let's begin by talking about the framing device used in this movie. And, and my question is, and I'm being genuine. I haven't read anything about it. Um, what, why do you think Monsieur Reiner, Rob Reiner, the director chose to use the framing device of a grandfather reading this story to his uh, grandson? Because create creatively, um, our so the actual writer of the book and mm-hmm. uh, essentially screenplay writer of this movie, that is how this story was born. Was yeah. him reading to his daughters? Yeah, and Aww. so it feels as an homage to how the story had been originally told. That's really sweet. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know that this movie William Goldman. <clears throat> Have y'all have either of y'all read this book? Mm-mm. I have not. I'd like to, I think. No I pictures, know. the font's too small. I don't is know that it, I could do it. Is it funny? Is my question? Like, is the book funny or is like the a satire? Funny, is the funny added because it's supposed to be the lens that this kid is understanding the story through? That's what I'm curious about. 
I think it's funny. And I don't think it's the lens the kid's supposed to understand it through. I think we do get his commentary. Right. But this definitely is not, does not feel to be how he would, it's not like drunk history or something. Right. I, right. I think that's just, I think that's just what I'm asking though. Like where, gotcha. where, where is the humor born? It, it, the, it, I guess it's an open-ended question really, but um, so for starters, I love this framing device. I'm not questioning it because right. I think it's bad. I think it's a very unique way to approach this kind of story. And I honestly don't know if this movie, um, this movie is so much greater than the sum of its parts in history and in I, like iconography. And so I don't know that this movie has the staying power that it has without this framing device. So I'm all for it. I'm just curious as to why, like is, is the humor from the book and it just made it really easy to translate or was the humor added by Rob Reiner and it just works so well in this story? I don't know. I really from don't. From what I've understood, there's humor in the book. I do know the book is much darker, like much yes. darker. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It is. And this, this writer like held it real close. I mean, he had been trying to make this movie for a long time. Um, there was something that happened to where he like bought rights back. Like he had, yeah, he had given them up and then wanted to create them again. And and so he was very much in this. And so as much as I'm not totally sure that the humor was originally in the book, I know it existed. It definitely is increased upon in this format for the better. Totally. I agree. Um, and actually I I remember reading, um, in the trivia that, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was up for a role. Uh, I think it was Fezzik. Yeah. And, uh, the author of the book wanted Andre the giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and, did Rob Reiner. And when the when the the movie rights when he bought them back again and then gave it to Rob Reiner, and it ended up going to Andre the Giant, he was just like the circle is complete. Yeah, because yeah, right. Arnie Arnie was too big of a star at that point. They yeah. couldn't afford too him. big. Yeah, when they had tried it before, he was still just Mister Universe, barely, and like Hercules in New York and all that kinds of stuff. So. Which is, which is barely great because barely Mister <laughs> Universe, small accomplishment. That close. That close. When I think about this movie, so this is a weird movie for us to talk about in a good way. Um, Carter, I think you said it best. This is a movie often quoted, rarely discussed, I think. Sure. Um, Everybody I know has seen this movie. If you have- It's like a family member around things, you know, the one that has all the best stories, but we're never like, but where did they come from? Right. (laughs) The guy that shows up and is like, I don't know who you are, but you say you're part of my family. Have you had a job before? What did you do? Yeah, everyone has that family member. If you have been on a Greyhound bus to a summer camp of any kind, you have seen The Princess Bride. That's my assertion. Everybody I know that- Every person who's ever been to youth group ever has seen this movie. Right. Everybody's seen this. And I think that because everybody's seen it and everybody knows all the quotes, it just gets brushed over as far as the brilliance of it. Yeah. Cause this is one of those, uh, a good category for theater goers is like, this is the Alamo draft house special night. Right. Yes. right. This, they've actually done it with princess bride. And, like and you, the, you'll get all these kind of things. You the know, th- the thing about this movie, when we're talking about Arnold potentially having been Fezzik, all I can think is, well, no, of course not. Cause Andre, the giants Fezzik. But then I think, yeah, that, that's it's that way with every single role. Yeah. Nobody yep. else. We Nobody talked about else. that a little bit in mini Monday yesterday though, of like, how are any of these people? Like, I think, uh, I think Mandy has the most appropriate response to it where he's like, this is my favorite role I've ever played. He right. said in interviews that like every day of his life, like two to five people come up to him, come up to him and say, you've killed my father prepared to die. Right. And he says every single time he absolutely loves it. He feels yeah. like he can't believe he got to be <laughs> yeah. in this. 
Yeah, he said it would be like being in Wizard of Oz. Yes. You know, right. to him. So. Right. Yeah. That's and that's great. why he is my super pump in this movie. Oh, wow. Wonderful. Out of the gate. Talk about it. Out of it. the gate. Out of the gate. The joy that he gets from playing this role to me is so palpable in his performance as Absolutely. Inigo Montoya. Yeah. It's there's just one thing wonderful. about like caring about your role, and then there's yes. another thing about being in love with your role. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely good. like this just and and it probably is a little bit because metatextually I know that this is the most fun he's ever had on a movie. Sure. But sure. like it looks like this is the most fun he's ever had on a movie. And I think uh, so just and, the, just and the character himself is great. And it goes fantastic. He's the closest thing we have to like a regular like fantasy story hero in this. Agreed. I think you his story I mean? arc's the most interesting. Absolutely. <laughs> and I love it so much. Yeah. Parting the curtain a little bit. Uh, the character of Inigo Montoya was just, I mean, just about my super pump. He's the best thing. He's the best character in this movie. Dude, he was just about my, my character that I commissioned for Tyler. Oh really? Like I was, I was in between Indy and Inigo Montoya. Ooh, that's fun. That would have been good too. That's yeah. Fun. That's fun. Yeah. I, I think that um, what he, if we were to isolate every part, what he brings to this movie is greater than the other parts of this movie. Uh, I agree. I just, completely. I just think that he, Carter, you're right. He's the most interesting story. And it sort of feels like the story we're following is happening around Inigo Montoya's revenge story. Like it's like Buttercup and Wesley are interesting and they're who we're following. But really it's about how their intersection with Inigo Montoya allows him to take revenge. I mean, it's mm-hmm. Frodo and Sam over here being great and being awesome. And then it's also Aragorn over here on this side being like, oh, that's actually really interesting as well. Right. right. But it would, yeah. it would be like- Do you think that's followed- where Tolkien got the idea? Yeah, probably. <laughs> From the Princess Bride? It, it would be yeah, more like yeah, yeah. <laughs> if we followed Frodo and Sam just as they kind of intersected with Aragorn on his way. And that Frodo and Sam allowed Aragorn to meet his ultimate task. But the movie was still about them. I mean, that's, that's, what, that's totally how I understood the story of the Lord of the Rings the first time I consumed well, yeah, it as a I, young, as a young I boy. A I was like, why are we talking about the short people still? Short yeah. people got no reason to live, like Randy Newman <laughs> says. That's hilarious. No, before, before we get too far past it, we kind of discussed a little bit. I, I do want to super dump on this movie. And this, is, this is one of those movies that it's like, feels wrong to super dump something. I was about um, to say, like podcasting podcasting career wise you sure well, you want to super dump on the I princess well, bride at all I, weird super dump for this movie so i think if, i feel okay if, yeah if i survived phantom menace i think i'll that's be okay true. that's true that is your favorite um, movie um nope so my super dump is uh while i think this movie is not the same without the framing that we get that it's a story being told from a grandfather to his grandson i think getting to that point uh and again it's it's it feels like it's it counteracts itself because I also would rather spend all of my time in the world of the book. I do love that we come back and forth. It, I think in less, it feels like less than a minute we jump straight into the story. I think the beginning, just give me a little bit. I just want a little bit more time. I really do. I, I would love to, I don't know, just give me some random story about like his grandpa with him and the significance of why is it of all people that his grandpa came over? Like right. I, I and why does he not more want of, his grandpa to come over? Right. Is there like a little bit of a family dynamic? And it's easy to assume it's just a kid, right? It's a kid that would rather play video games than read or be read to. You know, maybe he's in that age to where he feels like he's he's becoming more of a grown up and he wants to be more independent, all that stuff. But we don't really get that. And it it it, it just dives straight in. And I'm not like, asking. Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry. I was gonna say I'm not asking for a ton of substance. 
because that's not really what this movie is supposed to be. It is just supposed to be caricatures of certain of certain roles and in and, and fantasy books and stuff. But I, I'd like a little bit more from from the real side. Totally. I think I agree with that because it feels like and this this might be the curse of knowledge of growing up on Wishbone almost exclusively. <laughs> but it feels like there should be some sort of intersection between Fred Savage and his grandfather and what's happening in the story of the Princess Bride. Yeah. Like it feels like there should be, and I don't, I don't want it to devolve into a moralism because I think it's weaker if that's it. But if there's like a tiny element of like, there's a character in the princess bride that's clearly supposed to be Fred Savage, you know what I mean? And it's like supposed to be this character learning to love his grandfather or something. I don't know. I mean, and far be it from me to say that my idea would make this movie better because, because who am I to improve this movie? Right. Right. I think the honest answer is exactly what you're saying, Carter. I think it's a kid who would, I can put myself in that place instantly. A kid who is homesick from school and probably woke up that day with a low grade fever and was like, yes, I get to play video games all day. And yeah. then grandpa comes over and is like, nah, I'm going to read to you. That's easy. No, That's grandpa easy. says you've been sick for some time now. Okay, so maybe like this been kid sick is, a while. is dying of a degenerative disease and withering Stop. away in his bed. <laughs> well, but my, my point <laughs> is I can easily put myself in the headspace of I have a chance to play video games and nobody can tell me not to. And then grandpa comes over or insert anyone into grandpa's place. Um, right. You know, X variable comes over and wants to read a book to me. And that sounds less fun than video games. I get that. I still would rather play video games than have someone read to me. Yeah, because you're Mr. Independent. That's me, you know? I want to I I I I go my own way. I want to carve my own path. I want to paddle my own canoe. <laughs> um, so something that's interesting is I read this in the trivia. I don't normally read trivia for our movies because I like to be surprised, but I read for this one because there's so much. All of our main characters are introduced within seven minutes of pressing play on this movie. Yeah, yep. Every named character we have seen and met on screen already. I think that's how, I mean, that has become the fuel for an affection for so many different people loving so many different characters, like uh, having different favorites. I think we'll even see that in this in this episode. You know, Inigo Montoya wasn't my super pump, but he's a big pump for me. But there's another right. character that's my super pump that we'll get to in a little bit. But yeah, yeah it's great. You know, there is, I'm trying to figure out, I think it's going to be helpful for me to super dump now so that we can understand the lens that I had to view this movie through the whole time we were watching. And this, this super dump feels a little ethereal and it's a little weird, but stick with me because this is not a cop out super dump. I'm, I'm very serious about this, but my super dump is the culture that formed around this movie of quoting it to death. <laughs> and I know that I know that oftentimes picking an outside super dump is our cop out to say this movie's perfect and we don't want to dump anything that exists in it or whatever. Sure. But the reason it's my super dump is because this is a movie that I was introduced to at a very, very young age. I've watched it so many times and I can't tell you the last time I enjoyed watching it. And yeah. I had to I had to sit down and even the first few minutes of this movie, I was rolling my eyes because not because as you wish is annoying, not because inconceivable is annoying, but because how many times I have heard it outside of this movie is annoying. Yeah. And I had to intentionally be like, no, watch this movie for what it is. And when I was able to do that, 
of course I loved it because this movie really is brilliant. So I, I know that it, it, it is weird and, it, and it's kind of um, conceptual more than anything, but I really have to land on my super dump being how maybe, maybe the answer is how easy it is to not pay attention to anything substantial in this movie because of all of mm. the surface level fun that is able to just be scraped off the top and then, you know, ignore everything else. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's, it's almost, done. it's almost impenetrable at this point. It's like, imagine, uh, imagine that you're cutting into an avocado and you really, really want the pit. Right. It's like the pit's tiny and you have to cut through a lot of avocado to get to it. Dude, maybe, okay, here's maybe the best way to do it. So I um, I have not watched, I've watched like maybe three episodes in my life of Rick and Morty. I have no doubt that if I could isolate myself in a vacuum and watch that show, I would probably enjoy it because Dan Harmon is brilliant and I'm sure that his work is great. I cannot bring myself to watch that show because of how much I have heard it quoted as though it's the funniest thing on the planet. And that's a me thing. Yeah, that's a me. It, yeah, thing. and that's like any of those are a me thing. It depends on your circles too, right? right? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> if people you like a lot are quoting it a lot, maybe you don't dislike the movie as much. But if it's people that already annoy you, you know, it's like all these different factors. Well, I think it's a little bit like sitting down to watch <clears throat> Soup Nazi or the Pivot episode of Friends, where right? It's just like, right? I can't even engage with this now. You know that this is Jordan. Your your super dump for Princess Bride is like the reason that I don't watch The Office. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. No, that's good. I'm so tired. Of, I'm so tired of hearing about the office. Right. Yeah. And the difference between that though, is there's, there's about 400 more hours that I would have to do. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, it is that obsession. Well, that's a, that's it kind of reminds example, me of, cause I don't ever get tired of the office. Right. That's it it reminds example. me, uh, and I don't ever get tired of the princess bride. Uh, and it reminds me of like Napoleon dynamite, how people handled that. Yes. Just yes. think of, listen, go, when you feel comfortable going back to the mall, go into Hot Topic and look at that T-shirt wall. <laughs> yeah. If there's a movie that has a character or a quote on a shirt, uh, it probably falls into one of these categories. Yeah, like it has much. been quoted to death. Yeah, totally. Uh, I had an Inigo Montoya shirt, TBH. Good. I'd wear one now. I'd wear one now. No, this was an awakening for me, though. This rewatch of Princess Bride was an awakening right? of appreciation for me. Yeah, I found myself also trying to be like, okay, Carter, because I, I do love this movie deeply, like putting it all aside and being like, just look at this as like a movie, like how it's made, yeah. how it's acted, what story they're telling. Still good. I, it's one of those that I was afraid yep. I'd be disappointed. Totally. And I don't think I was. Well, and I think, so um, uh, let's let's burn through some beginning story um, and some beginning of this. We get Wesley, we get Princess Buttercup, we get As You Wish down the hill, we get Wesley's disappearance, yada, yada, right? When Humperdinck takes Buttercup to be his wife, and then the, our uh, our trio of uh, war criminals, I guess, show up to kidnap Buttercup and take her away to kill her, that's when it feels like the movie kicks off, huh? Is like there at that real point. Everything else is sort oh, of yeah, nonstop. establishing what's happening, and then we get right. our big moment. Um, and yep. I, I think the first. In my opinion, the first like iconic thing is the shrieking eels. The shrieking eels are a big nope from me. Yeah, they freak me out big time. I don't like them. I think I I, I would argue that's not the first. I, I think the first iconic thing is the rhyming. Oh, you're totally right. One hundred percent, you're right. Anybody want a peanut? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah, how fun! Like 
they just had the benefit of loving their roles. I think almost yes. everyone in this movie loved their role. But I don't you feel like within the first interaction of Anigo and Fezzik that they love each other? Yep. Yeah. As friends? Yep. And they're just talking, they're just rhyming together. It comes yeah. across hearing so anything well, though. about their past yet. Like we we don't even know yet about Anigo's past until he's in the sword fight. Yeah. That he's trying to avenge his father's death, right? Which is a huge narrative part of this. But just those two looking at each other. Yep. And you're right, Doge. A lot of that is Mindy Patinkin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just like just uh, and just all the great stories about uh, Andre as well, which we'll get to that later. But yeah. yes, the shrieking eels. Well, and re- real quick about Andre, I one of my favorite things about this movie is him talking about how it's his favorite thing he's ever done because people treated him like a person and not the giant guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that's unique. And, um, you know, I, there's something special about being a part of a group of people that just kind of like are able to be inviting in that way. I don't know. I think that's really great. Hearing, uh, like reading interviews with the cast about their time on this movie. And I hate to keep bringing up Lord of the Rings, but it reminds me of the way that the cast members of Lord of the Rings talk about each other. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, Carrie, I'm always going to say it wrong. Eels? I think it's shrieking just Carrie Ells. That's how I Carrie Shrieking Ells. Carrie Ells and Robin Wright were like crazy about each other in this movie. Yes. <laughs> like infatuated with each other. And that was that was fun to hear about those stories. But like that chemistry is 100%. Honestly, chemistry across the board is real in yes. this movie. Yeah. Oh, totally. And so that's so fun. I think, I think this is a movie that excels and thrives because of the chemistry of the cast. Yeah. I think that I think that the moments like the rhyming becomes yeah. trite and annoying if they're not really vibing in that moment. And yep. because yeah. they are, that's one of the best scenes. It's something so small, but I, I think about it anytime I hear anything that rhymes, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, speaking or to look the, at a peanut. Speaking <laughs> Speaking to the strength of the cast, this is one of those movies that's on my short list of ones that I'm terrified we will get a remake of. Oh, oh no. Like, oh, I, I am so frightened that some studio is going to be like, you know what we need coming out of pandemic? Princess Bride again. Get out of here. No, I hope not. That'd be so silly. It's, it's so much of the charm of this movie is, I say this with all the love in my heart, how bad a lot of it looks. Yes, it looks like a Star Trek, the original series episode. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so much of the charm is like, there are parts where it's like, they didn't even try and they probably didn't because that's what's funny about it. But like, I don't think that would get made today. Like I was trying right. to think about like, what if they made, if this movie hadn't existed and they made it today and I made myself sad thinking about the CG sidekick that would be in this movie <laughs> farting the whole time. And I was like, you're <laughs> kidding. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? Oh, you know, Fezzik, you know, Fezzik would be CG and like 30 feet tall. Exactly. Oh my God. You would just look like Shrek. Yeah. You yeah. know, it. that's a hundred percent true. Um, Those shrieking eels. So like, in the book, he doesn't save Buttercup by knocking one of the shrieking eels out. Sorry, it's actually sorry, sharks. The, the correct term is bopping. He bopping, bops it. Sorry. It's actually sharks in the book, and Fezzik throws some of his own blood in the water to distract them. So that's an idea of what? kind of how it's a little bit darker. Yeah, he like Does cuts himself. Does he just himself. have it on hand? <laughs> no, he cuts himself. You don't? And, and I have a vial of my own blood on my desk right now. That's a lie. Is that real? That's a lie. It's definitely a lie. <laughs> I don't know. You've been... Listen, you've been to the doctor a lot recently. I don't know what they're asking of you. So <laughs> they're like, just keep this blood there and watch it. 
Because it might do blood. something. We really don't know what it's going to do. We if really it changes don't know to much green, about blood at that all. means you're envious. It's just, it's mood blood. <laughs> it's mood <laughs> blood. <laughs> yeah, the shrieking eels are very scary. That we know. And the next thing that we're going to talk about is going to be the cliffs of insanity. But I'm going to go insane if we don't take a quick break for some shout announcements. Is shout announcements the part of the show? Did you show? just get like gut punched when you started saying that? Yeah, sorry. Um, I'm <laughs> I've been participating in a very long, drawn out fist fight this whole time. I didn't know if you guys could wow. see uh, wow. from where you are. Uh, but this and you're not even left handed. This I'm not. I know something <laughs> he doesn't know, which is great. No, the this is the part of the show where we give shout outs and make announcements. I do want to make that very clear, and uh, I want to talk about Patreon. Patreon is very special. It contains episodes and content made only for the officialist of Chunkies, our patrons, those who pay the grand price of three American dollars per month. Three. To access special episodes about movies that only you get to hear, special episodes that involve us workshopping games or doing silly fun things, special parts Mm -hmm. of our website, you know, all that kind of good, juicy content just ripe for the picking. And it can and be I, yours. It really can. Yeah, as as that, as each month passes, sometimes weeks just shorter than that, like it's becoming more and more valuable. Like that $3 is getting you more and more it's true. as you sign on. It's, true. it's almost too much content to handle, which is which is what we're about. It, which it, is kind it, of the theme, uh, the theme of this week from Two Chunks HQ is just more content than you can actually consume. <laughs> Absolutely more content. Yes. And that's a reminder. This week has been different. Uh, this week had five episodes if you're a Patreon member. So we had all of our Royal Romance, uh, Summer of Love. We had a Whittle Wednesday, which is a really special episode. Uh, and then of course the mini Monday. And so, uh, please figure that out. And, and, uh, you get all of those if you've, if you've subscribed to the podcast. So if you haven't done that yet, do that. That's a big deal. Follow us on the Instagrams, follow us on the Twitters. Don't worry about Facebook at all for really anything right now. Um, <laughs> I don't even think we've posted yeah. since January. <laughs> stay away. Stay away. Right. Facebook is a, a lawless hellscape that not, you need to you need not to be not. on. Yeah. Don't go to Facebook. Just kind of ever. Speaking of things we know that nobody else knows. <laughs> I happen to know what our next series is. Tell, Tell me. Are you ready to have your mind blowlin? <laughs> I'm ready to get absolutely curb-womped. Yes. Are you ready yes. to watch some of the greatest showlins that we've ever watched? Yep. That's right. It's our greatest showman series. <laughs> it is. We're watching. No, we're not watching that. What we are watching are the incomprehensible films of Christopher Nolan. Oh. And I'm very excited. Our new series called Nolan, and it's not spelled how you think, is starting next week. And I'm super, super pumped about it. Very much. For our listeners, very much pumped. I'm going to request right now that we go back in time and insert a Hans Zimmer blomp under when you say yeah. the word Nolan, Doge. So, and and I no, too, I do want to say this is a foundation. At, at the beginning... This was a superhero podcast. We are not doing oh, that's true. every film of Christopher Nolan. Ah, that's Nolan. a good point. Good point. Yeah. We are, we not are touching excluding the Dark Batman. Trilogy. And that's not because we don't want to talk about it. It's just because not yet. Yeah. We're saving. We'll feed you. We'll feed you. We'll feed you. <laughs> Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look to your left. Look to your right. We're back to the show. Oh Guys, my goodness. Here we are. That's the that's the real prestige. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Hey, we're at the cliffs of insanity. Before we get to the top of the cliffs, and this is something fun that this movie does. Oh, I actually want to talk about the climb, which is fun. The Miley Cyrus song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's Very always fun. gonna be another mountain. I always think that the lyric says, it's always going to be an uphill mountain. That's and true. I'm like, yeah. 50% of the time. Yeah, unless, unless you're, you're coming top. from the top. Yeah, unless you're at the top. Yeah. It's a downhill mountain. So the, the climb up is where we start to get a lot of characterization for Inigo Montoya. Once everybody leaves and um, Vizzini says, you know. Hold, hold up. The climb itself, though, we talk about like the the parts that in terms of budget, like yeah. the puppets, the puppets that are on Andre yeah. yes. <laughs> he's climbing up yeah. are, are kind of, it's funny. This movie has so much charm that at the point that I discovered it, like when I was old enough to actually pay attention to that, I was like, I don't know. Why does it feel like that adds to the movie? It totally <laughs> yeah. does. Yeah. It, which is so funny. It totally but. does. And, uh, once, so once, once Fazzini basically is like, Hey, Inigo Montoya, you take this dude out catch up with us when you're done and then they bounce that's when we start to get our real interaction for the first time between the man in black and Inigo Montoya all -hmm. of this conversation coming up the mountain you know hey can you hurry it up it's a little slow I don't trust you I swear on the sword of my father throw me the rope it's all it's all really interesting because I think it the climb section of another movie a lesser movie even I think would be throwaway and this just isn't like there is there is character substance yeah. happening while somebody's scaling a mountain. And I think that's something that um, kind of happens. It's a, it's a through line throughout this whole movie of like, it doesn't feel like anything's really wasted here. Um, yeah. And I think that's really unique. Are we okay if I jump to the top of the cliff? Yeah. Okay. This sure. entire fight sequence is my super pump. I think that this for, awesome. for me Good. is the the this movie at its peak. It is my favorite character. No pun intended, right? Right. No, that's good. I didn't think about that. It is my favorite character in the whole movie fighting one of my other favorite characters in the whole movie. The dialogue. So it, it's this weird mix because the dialogue is fun and smart and the switch to left-handed from right or to right-handed from left-handed from both of them. And like the way they both kind of admire how good the other person is in the middle of the fight and the respect that they right. have for each other, it all makes something really funny. But the, the swashbuckliness of the fight is like legendary. I mean, this is Did like, you read the trivia about the fight? It took over a week to film. It's like three yeah. and a half minutes long. They're talking about real techniques they both well, and the trainer is the guy fighting. who did Star Wars. Yeah, for lightsaber fights. Yeah, yeah. 
um, who is of the lineage of like either that or his coach was the last person to actually be in a legitimate duel. What? That's amazing. Yeah. What? Yeah, dude. It's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's really terrible, neat. but it's awesome. I mean, it's horrifically brutal, but <laughs> right. that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but this, I mean, everything about this, right? The up and down the hill and the steps. And um, there's something so charming about the fact, I mean, I hate it, but there's something so charming about the fact that you can see the mats that they land on underneath yeah. the sand. And, the, like, <laughs> right. and the pole that they do the, the gymnastics around. Yeah. But, you know, like Rob Reiner has a love for some of these older swashbuckly fantasy type films. Yep. And that's what makes me think he was just okay with it, totally. right? Like this is a critical eye yeah. that did, I, you know, I was looking back like a few good men, like the fact that he has done other, like he's definitely channeling something this else. This dude is yes. not this a one trick yes. pony. This movie is it's an intentional purpose. choice. Yeah, it is on purpose. Right. Here. The backgrounds that repeat themselves noticeably. Right. right. You know, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, everything that happens up here down to, um, you know, Wesley knocking Inigo Montoya out rather than killing him because he respects him so much. It's just so good. The yeah. whole the whole mountaintop duel is the easiest super pump I've had in a long time. It's my favorite yep. part of the movie. And after that... What's next? Leave, it's Fezzik, right? We leave to go fight Fezzik, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Uh, also, this is where we learn a lot about Inigo as well. His father, the six-fingered yeah. man, all this stuff. We get a lot of character characterization here on top of this mountain as well. But then we mm-hmm. go fight Fezzik. yeah. Fezzik I, is, I don't know that there's and, anything to say about that, right? Well, I was just going to say, Fezzik uh, is my second favorite character in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, so anytime him and uh, Inigo Montoya are together is some of the best stuff. But here, the dialogue between the two of them, there's just something so fun about a fight scene where it's two people that it feels like they would honestly rather just be sharing a cup of coffee and conversation together yeah. versus fighting each other. It's just so fun. Yeah. I think, so I know... So Andre the Giant is my super pump. Okay. And I think I think he is a uh once in a lifetime person. Totally. Um like as a character, I you know, other names outside of Arnold Schwarzenegger are names like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah. like who was doing movies around that time. Wow. Like I just I cannot be more confident in a character decision that if Andre the Giant is not Fezzik, this movie is not the same. Yeah. yeah. I think if I think if Andre the Giant is not there, who was, I mean, in culture is was at the time considered like eighth wonder of the world. He is the inaugural member of the wrestling hall of fame. Like, yeah. like he is a a a literal and figurative larger than life kind of personality that yes. really won't happen again. And the fact that he gets to be and loves the process of being in this movie actually gives you minus CGI or something that this doesn't, there's something about him. That's a fantasy element. Yeah. There's something about like, this doesn't exist. Yep. Like this, he, he was seven foot four, 550 pounds. Oh my gosh. You know, there's, there's all these things of like Robin Wright would be freezing in some of these scenes and to warm her up, he would simply just put his hand on her head. Like an incubator. Dude, like, 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 do you ever think about everything with somebody as big as Andre the Giant? Just how much blood is in his body? I'm just thinking about how warm his hands have to be. Like, yeah, he just has to have so much blood. Oliphant levels, you know? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> um, but he, yeah, I think just the stories that people have about him, the stories like he called everybody boss. Yeah, I love that. 
because one, that's also him like trying to say like, please stop thinking that I tower over you in any way yeah. or that I'm better than you because I'm bigger, you know, like, and, and I, as much as I think I see it from Mindy Patinkin, I think I also see it from him, just how much he's enjoying yeah. that. Uh, and it feels like a character, like you don't get to in fantasy, um, often be like, it feels like this role was written for this real life person. Right. I think Ian McKellen comes to mind as Gandalf. Yeah. I don't know much more outside of that. Like even Snape. like, yes, Vigo is perfect. Snape. Snape yes. Yeah. yeah fantasy good. character, Alan Rickman. But I think and Andre the Giant is here and I, and I love it. And I think he, he is, I think he is pivotal to have his, like a vision of him in your mind makes this movie what it's supposed to be. I Absolutely. I don't know. Absolutely. Uh, the next thing in this gauntlet is actually where my super dump happens. Are we okay to talk what? about? Okay. And I think we're going to end up jumping around because it's fair to assume that if you have a pulse, you've seen this movie. Yeah. So I don't know that we need to go beat by beat here, yeah, yeah, but yeah. is there anything in the gauntlet that we want to talk about before I bring the crushing hammer of my negativity down upon this wonderful movie? Um, I love, I love the battle of wits with Wallace Shawn. I think it's very fun. This, this maybe more than any other movie is the one where I've had the hardest time not doing the, the Chris Farley diehard thing. Like, remember that? Do you remember? You know, awesome. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, one thing I do want to say about Wallace Shawn, which I think was my favorite bit of trivia, there had been rumor that Danny DeVito was supposed to play <laughs> Bassini. And Wallace Shawn was a nervous wreck. Anybody who got interviewed about this movie said he was noticeably anxious because he really did have this fear that DeVito was going to replace him. And Wallace Shawn, you know, uh, DeVito, I think, actually might be Sicilian. I'm not sure. I believe he is. But Wallace, Wallace Shawn definitely is not. And so they said that he was like noticeably sweating in scenes, especially in the Battle of Wits. Like that's that's him. And I love it because everyone seems to personify the characters that they were playing. Um, but my favorite thing is Rob Reiner was trying to coach him up because Wallace Shawn just knew. And he's like standing there as the director. Rob Reiner is like, stop. And then eventually Rob just says, you sound just like him from the book. Like you sound just like just like he sounds in the book. And that like that just being a joke in itself. It's like we don't really yeah. hear him <laughs> outside so of the funny. voices in our head. And then he was like fine and, and obviously ends up being pretty pivotal. Yeah, one of the, the most iconic the performances in this movie. I mean, it's fair to say they're yeah. probably all iconic. Um, that that right, is something right. about this movie though, right? Like what is yeah. iconic from The Princess Bride? And now right. Doge, stomp upon our dreams and hopes. The pacing of this movie is all over the place. Yeah, it is. And that becomes very apparent when while Sean drinks the poison and he dies and now suddenly we're free floating 30 minutes into the movie and we don't know what's going on anymore. I think so this is I've seen this movie a million times. Uh and for this one I really tried to intentionally go into it and be like this is my first time watching this movie what do I think? And if right. this is my first time watching this movie I don't know anything else that's coming and my primary source of conflict up to this point has been between the man in black and the voice of Rex, the dinosaur. And now that conflict is gone and there's still an hour left of this movie. And I don't know what to hang on to. And I even think watching it, uh, watching it more critically, but perhaps with, with more experienced eyes as well. I think the pacing dips tremendously in the middle and then it picks back up again. Once there's the operation to rescue buttercup, but then there's just this weird sag, like this middle 30 minutes is not when the iconic things are happening and it's kind of just this, like, this is the middle. I it's mean, like there if a are sandwich. The which are pretty iconic. 
Right. To me, it's like if a sandwich was made of meat, bread, meat, and it's like, okay, I, and I eat it from the top down. So it's not like any sandwich we've ever heard of on this plane of our existence. Uh, That's not true. The KFC one where the, the bun is two pieces of chicken. What's that? Yeah, but you don't. You don't eat that. From Nobody's the, proud of that. You don't eat Nobody's that from the top down like a drill. Like <laughs> you you're could. drilling for oil. You could. I mean, I guess you could. But anyway, it just feels like there's this weird part in the middle that you have to get through to get to the end. Uh, and that's my super dumb. I, I think it kind of just, the pacing is, I, hey, is I did, weird. I did pee. I did pee during that time. I kept the movie going. Hey, yeah. I mean, that's, so. that's the whole thing is like how you can tell if there's a problem with pacing is the first time that you reach down to like look at your phone or like look at your watch or something. Yeah. That's when the movie has lost you. That's yeah. when there's a pacing issue. And when it pulls you out of, of Kairos time into Kronos time, the two words for time in Greek, meaning one is the time where you lose track of time. And then the second is like actual physical seconds, minutes, hours, days, weeks, months, years. The yep. second that the movie causes you to wonder what Kronos time it is, there's a pacing problem. So I mostly agree with you, genuinely. I, I think that the middle, the middle of the movie is you the You only point. mostly agree with me. Right. So- uh, Get it? Remember from, no, I do. Uh, I've from the, the Princess, from the princess Bride? The, the RUSs are great. They're horrible. I hate them, but they're great. Yes. Um, the fire swamp is great. And one of my favorite parts of the movie men is- Men who are men and swamps. Yeah, men who are men and swamps. What in- um, but they're, I'm sorry, men and swamps were swamps. Were swamps. Back when men and swamps were swamps. I, I, one of my favorite parts of this movie is Wesley explaining how he became the Dread Pirate Roberts. It's such an interesting dynamic. I, to I, add I would in. lump that into the beginning. That's, that's still no, to this me is in part. The, this is in the swamp. Right. But what I'm saying is I would still lump that as part of the beginning where it's interesting. But, but once, like once we go back to Humperdinks. Once we're captured Blair, by Humperdinck. It is, it is just, to me, it just drags and drags and drags and drags until the next interesting thing happens. Okay, then if that's your definition, I am one, I am now completely on board. You think at the moment Christopher Guest knocks out... Wesley. Wesley. Yes. Yeah. Then, then yep. our pacing just grinds the, to a halt. The next time I am truly, truly interested and invested as I was at the beginning was Inigo Montoya drunk outside of his hut. Exactly. Same. Exactly. Yeah, same. And there's just this middle part that's like... I guess we have to get through that to get to the end, which is wonderful. Okay. I am now that you have defined your time frame, 100% yes. on board. Because to me, that still feels like the conflict with, uh, with Vicini, right? When we're in the yeah. swamp, that's still a fallout yeah, of we're, actions we're with what we have perceived that. to be our primary antagonist. And we're, this is good point. This should be the denouement, right? The falling action yep. from the resolution of what we've seen to be our climax. Yeah. And then it doesn't go I anywhere. Support it. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, another bit of trivia because this is this is kind of what we wanted to do on the onset of this movie. Maybe give you things you didn't know. Uh, Carrie uh, Ill- Screaming Wesley. Eels. Screaming Eels uh, told Christopher Guest, the six fingered man, in this scene, "Go ahead and hit me." Yeah. So go ahead and hit me. Uh, he did, and they stopped filming for the day because he had to go to the hospital. <laughs> Which I, so I actually read that trivia, um, and watched that scene like i read that trivia before i started the movie and then when i watched that scene i was waiting for it didn't look that hard actually didn't really did it i wonder if they used didn't that look as hard as when an ego gets hit like they, oh, they may not have used the take where he actually got Dude, hurt that would suck yeah that would suck you put in all the effort to get really knocked out and then they don't even use it that would be it's like when brutal. vigo intentionally broke his toe on that orc helmet it's like <laughs> dude i i get it but just settle yeah, down it's just like, a movie chill dude come on dude <laughs> <laughs> um so 
So then let's just skip that part. Right. Yeah. Let's, can we skip the boring part? Yes, 100%. Yeah, and he goes drunk outside of the shack. Yeah. So all of this is great. The, the back and forth with the heat and the cold is great. The rescue and the subsequent interaction with Miracle Max is really what I'm interested in talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have a character whose official title is the albino, and that makes me uncomfortable for some reason. I don't love it. Like referring to, I don't, I don't know if that's offensive. That might be offensive, but just like referring to anybody as like the physical trait person is weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. That actor has never seen the movie. I know he because he hated it. Well, not he hated his right. experience. Apparently, oh no! He was allergic to his contact solution that he had to wear for those red the, contacts. The contacts that they gave him made him incredibly uncomfortable, and then the solution itself he was allergic to. Oh and didn't no! Know it. So he's he's honestly miserable <laughs> the entire time. That which they're, which they're is making a bummer, guy. Is very funny. Um, he is that very sucks. Funny. Miracle Max is the highest laughs per minute ratio of this movie to me. I think that. Oh yeah, Billy yeah, yeah. Crystal is just the 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 number of laughs he crams into the what four and a half minutes he's on the screen. Yeah, he's very right, there. Is so good. I mean, how many times have you heard people make the to blave, which means to bluff? He was playing cards. Yeah, like yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. thing yep. is great. Only um, mostly dead is one of the only most quoted mostly lines to dead. Me. Yeah. Um, yep. And then the, the, the chocolate coating helps it go down easier. Like all of it yeah. is very funny. <laughs> that's and, you know that's not a bad Billy Crystal. Really. It's not a good one. Yeah. I mean, let's no, be clear about fine. what I did and didn't say. Yeah. It's not a bad one. I'll take that. Uh, I was quoting his wife, which. Uh, well, then it, it was it was not a good Billy Crystal's <laughs> wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. <laughs> Millie. I think her name's Millie. Um, I'm uncomfortable with every push of the bellows into Wesley's mouth. <laughs> Yeah. Freaks me out a lot. Uh, but Wesley, Carrie L's, his acting when he's waking up and when he's coming to and like his limp it's arms so funny. and head, it that is slapstick peak. Slapstick. I mean, that's he the Three Stooges. He does a yeah. lot. Of, yeah, he does a lot. He did that really well. Like he did a lot of really good slapstick A little type too well, if you ask Physical me. humor. I'm a little hmm. concerned. What is he not Mayhaps telling us? he has died before. <laughs> and why am I offended? So there's a lot that happens here. There's two things specifically that feel worth our time. So yeah, I, th- I think the 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 big Dread Pirate Roberts in the wheelbarrow is very fun. I think the creativity needed um, from Wesley. The fact that Andre is great. Yeah, the fact that Fezzik had that massive thing just in his <laughs> right yeah, in his shirt. Oh, you mean this one? <laughs> Said it yeah. fits so nice. You know, I was like, I, I might as well take I it. I think that's great. Uh, the wedding ceremony is worth touching on at least a little bit. I know we joked at the beginning, but. Um, the priest, his whole thing, his whole deal, his tongue so flat, so fat, so wide in his mouth, the way that he speaks <laughs> is I, I want to put myself in the theater when this movie came out and people had no idea that was coming because that exactly. has to be a drop from your chair level of laughter the first time you see it. It's yes. so, yeah. His, I think his role is, is called impressive clergyman. <laughs> And that makes that's me laugh. My, that's my official more. title. At, I was at about to say, work. I want that on my business <laughs> yeah. card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he is just, and it's that moment that you get, you start laughing before he talks. Oh my gosh, you, yes. you know, when you've seen it, you're already how there. How many weddings, statistically, percentage-wise, how many weddings? Too many. Is Actually, too many. I'm going to take a stance on that. And too then, many. And then also, <laughs> yeah. the other end. How many weddings include a groom thinking he's very funny going, man and wife, say man and wife. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, I think this probably is the most similar to uh, 
And Jordan, it is your anniversary, but I'm going to bring up a memory from your bachelor party when we went to see Popstar. Yep. Uh, and then there's this, there's a scene in that movie that's so out of left field and it's the bee scene. Yeah. Uh, when they're attacked by the killer bees. Yeah. Uh, and they use a flamethrower on the queen and that, I feel like <laughs> I hate this how funny is, I think that is. Oh, well, I feel like this is a situation like that, right? Like when you leave the movie and you're talking about it, like, yeah, it was great. There's this one thing that's crazy out of nowhere and it's the funniest thing in the movie. Right. And you go back and watch it and go, that really is not that much of the movie at all. And the movie glosses over it completely. Um, yeah, nobody yeah, acts I, like he, like, I don't know. It's great. Exactly. And it's similar how in Popstar, nobody addresses that their version of Justin Bieber just like eliminated this huge mutant bee queen, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> never touched on again. That's true. Um, I, I do want to talk about Inigo Montoya getting his revenge on the six fingered man, because I think it is, I already super pumped. You know what I think? I think this is one of the best scenes in, so in a, in a, in a really funny movie in a, a, a pretty irreverent movie, this scene is played completely straight. It feels really poignant and it's very powerful. And yeah, the, the standing up, the I read the trivia. I love it that every wound that he gives the six fingered man is a wound that he received from the six fingered man or six fingered man. Right. So the the cheek, the shoulder, the arm, and the stomach are all things that the six fingered man had done to him. Um, and I think this is a perfect example of a well placed cussy word, really just putting <laughs> the just the the period on the end of a delicious sentence, and it's so intense. And, um, yeah, I don't know if it, it feels, it, it doesn't, it's not that it feels like it belongs in a different movie so much as it feels like the other side of this funny movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think this was a big homage to the book. You know, we talk about how dark, how, how the book is darker. Yeah. And I think this is what the, the writer would want them to at least still hold on to. And it does feel like that Anigo's character is handed really handled really thoughtfully. Um, in the book though, like the, the six fingered man, dies of fright at this yeah. scene Ooh. because of what Inigo, In, Inigo is telling him he's going to do to I'm him. I'm pretty sure he cuts um, his heart out also. He actually cuts his heart out. Yeah, he does He does cut his heart out, but he he dies before that. But yeah. Well, I kind of want to read the book now that we're talking about all those things. I do too. It seems short. It seems like it's only about an hour and 38 minute read. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally- I would say grandpa had to be reading fast because that book's 175, 250 pages yeah. probably, or the font's right. enormous. For real. Um, unless he was there for a much longer time than we thought he was. <laughs> it's like three days. Um, but the the scene, the final thing that I really want to touch on is, I guess, kind of everything in the honeymoon suite where uh, Wesley scares Humperdinck into the chair by bluffing that he's not as weak as he was after that thing happened. Hump- but <laughs> Humperdinck grabbing his, <laughs> grabbing his cape or robe to sit down. Like Humperdinck is just so... Gross. Oh, totally. He totally. does. He fits. I think. I think that acting. Yeah, I think that acting job is under under uh, appreciated with everything else going on in this movie. Um, I do just want to touch on when I think of this movie, I think of the rooftop battle scene. I think of Mailwedge. I think of Inconceivable. All that stuff. But I also think of Wesley standing up and leveling his sword at Humperdinck and saying, "Drop your sword." It's very yeah. intense. Um. And I, I don't know. I th- I think again, a lesser movie couldn't have pulled off that tone switch, right? And it's just yeah. really impressive how it it manages. Wesley's not. We know he's bluffing, but it's not funny that he wins this. Wesley's intense here. It makes sense. Yeah. 
I don't know. I yeah. love it. And it's a, uh, I, I think this movie was Oscar nominated for music. Oh, the music yeah. is great. The original timing, song. Uh, with yeah. The timing with the sword hits and the punches on the door and everything are great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does seem like there's about four songs on the soundtrack. Yeah. And they're all MIDI. Right, right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I would actually push back. I don't think the music's all that great. I think it's intentionally not great. Well, yeah. I don't necessarily mean great as in I want to listen to it, but like the way that it's designed to fit the movie, again, with every time Inigo right. Montoya slams up against the door, the music hits with him or the sword fight. I don't know. I think it's... Right. I mean, it's similar to saying like... Well I think put the, together is what I want to say maybe. I think the set design is great. It's not great, but it's great. Right. Yeah. No, that's right. Good. Although uh, the set design of the interior of the castle, those are actual tapestries from the Renaissance and late Middle Ages. Yeah, the castle. Yeah, they're in, a, they're in a, a house, an yeah. actual house. Um, and so I know that, guys. You don't have to tell me. I'm telling our listeners. <laughs> we all read the same trivia. Um, oh, I'm talking to the listener anytime I say something. Like I like that. to imagine. Do you that- want to say that to my face? I'd love to talk about the nope. movie just as we sort of finish, uh, you know, this portion of, you know, sort of the podcast that we host together. When at the end of the movie, I <laughs> like to imagine that Inigo Montoya takes up Wesley on his offer to take over as the Dread Pirate. Oh, Robert. absolutely. Yeah, because then you go back to the conversations, like in terms of dialogue between characters, they've had some of the most right. um, because of that sword fight scene. And so that does make me think that he does take him up on that. Yeah. Do you think that's where they got the inspiration for James Bond? Like 007 being like a title? Yes. Certainly. Yeah. I think so too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey. And like that's where they got the inspiration for the Santa Claus probably. I'll I'll take that bet. Let's rate this movie. I'm not talking yeah, about the Santa Claus. I think Claus. it's time to rate this movie, which is The Princess Bride, and we're going to rate it with science, the scientific cinema scale specifically. It's perfect and as follows. The best thing we can ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it. Buy that poster. The next best thing is buy it. After that is rent it, followed by stream it, and then forget it. And last, but certainly least, the worst thing we can ever say about a movie. God, that's I'm going to go first, and I am buying the poster for this movie for multiple reasons. It's iconic. It's funny. I was able to watch it with kind of fresh eyes and really kind of fall in love with it all over again, I think. But more than that, it is actually a poster I would be happy to have in a nice frame hung up somewhere. Easy answer for me. I'm going to go next, and I'm also going to buy the poster with the caveat that I will buy this poster. poster out. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to stitch it into one truncated, shorter poster. No, uh, I I would buy this poster and hang it on my wall if there weren't a million copies of this poster at Hot Topic and on T-shirts at Hot yeah, Topic. Yeah, it's the thing fair. where if you can separate if you can separate the thing from the, the, the fan yeah. around it, then I'm happy to hang it on my wall. But yeah, this feels like the only thing I could do is buy this poster because there's nothing else like this movie. Yeah, I'll buy the poster too, and, and I agree with everything said. Just retweet. Like it is all, um, yeah, it, it's equally a good movie, but it's fueled by just how fun everybody has. I can't get over that. It's just so fun. And then and then you, you read only good things about it. And, and that's not an experience you have to have with every movie. It's like, what do they say about it in real life? That's not what it's, that's not really the point, yeah. right? It's the point is what's on screen, but those worlds collided uh, and worked really well together. So yeah, buy the poster for Princess I love Bride. it. That's an easy one. That's an easy one. Hey, and speaking of an easy one. What are we talking about next week? Ooh, what are we talking about next week? Well, we are starting our Nolan 
series, understanding the end. I don't remember what it is. It's too complicated. You got to watch it multiple times. (laughs) I forgot what the word was. It doesn't matter. It's our Nolan series, and we are starting it with Memento. And it is going to be one crazy time. I'm going to... One crazy time. I'm going to pair that memento with some Diet Coke and make of a volcano. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, So, make sure you check out next week as we start our journey through the movies of Christopher Nolan. And if you're not already a patron, you're missing out on our Enchanted episode and some other fun stuff that's coming down the pipe. So, make sure you check Ah. that out. Now... To end today's episode, I would like for each of us to say our name and what other story we'd like to see Rob Reiner give the Princess Bride treatment. For Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan, and I think I'd love to see this sort of irreverent Rob Reiner humor applied to Little Red Riding Hood. I think that there's a lot there to uh, joke on, but also build on, and I think that's his skill set. Little Rob Reinerhood. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm Doge, and I want to see the Princess Brideified version of Hansel and Gretel. But I do want the old witch that lives in the house to be Miracle Max. Yes. And this is the beginning of, <laughs> the beginning of Universal Pictures Presents the Miracle Maxiverse. Well, why are you eating my walls? Um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, my name is Carter, and I think I'm going to go a little Old Testament here. The Let's see Testament. Rob Reiner's version. <laughs> the entire Old No, Testament. not all of it. <laughs> no, that's Mel Brooks. Um, I want to see Rob Reiner's version of Noah's Ark. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe some maybe some dinosaurs, uh, maybe being a bedtime I mean, yeah. story told to three young little fox boys. I don't wanna yeah. I don't wanna bloviate about our glory days. <laughs> I do always. Well, Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.